Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we are on, ready to go. We're going to go ahead and let the kids go if they did not already go, which I guess they already went. So, amen. All right, well, let's just pray because that's an... That's a good thing for us to do. Father, we just thank you and we thank you for all the stuff that's going on, Lord, that you are doing. And we, we ask for eyes to see, we ask for ears to hear. Lord, I thank you for doing something new on the earth, Lord, as you are doing something new in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Awesome. How are you guys doing? You guys have a good week? Yeah? You guys have, um, you guys have anything you're like looking, for? just raise a hands. Do you have things, you have goals that you're pursuing right now that are just, you have a, you have a pretty, you have a goal like you're after something. Yeah, you're after something. Can I get, all right. And we'll, let's do, uh, I'm going to ask for a, a show, one more time, a show of hands and be bold. One hand, big, you're after something. Let me see it, after something, and after something. Okay. That's cool. I just, I'm curious. Um, and uh, I was, I was talking with uh, my brother, my brother Jared. We went and had coffee. <clears throat> and we, we started mentioning, you know, people who have goals and, and, uh, and I, I, I know that I know what I, I, um, I know what I, I said something to him, and then I didn't, I didn't correct it. I just had to expand on it. But um, there's a very common um, misconception on waiting on the Lord in the body of Christ. In that, a lot of people think that waiting on God means to like. Wait, like you're waiting. Um, but more accurately, that term waiting is is someone who would wait, or a waiter, or a waitress at a restaurant to someone who they are serving. That's actually a more re- uh, accurate word and a more accurate parallel of what it means to wait on the Lord. And for those of you who are pursuing something and you feel that this is, actually I pretty much guarantee you feel that this is something the Lord has for you and that you are pursuing because he has given you that, um, I want to encourage you to accurately wait on the Lord. The difference between waiting for something and waiting on something can look very different. How many of you guys know if you have the wrong misconception of the word wait, you're the person sitting down rather than the person who's accurately running around preparing everything for the person you're waiting on. And I, just a word there, don't wait by sitting down waiting for God to bring you the thing. Wait on the Lord with the position that you are creating the environment for him to be blessed because that's why you're doing it in the first place. Amen? What God wants to bless you with, he wants to bless you with it because it enables you. How many of you guys at the end, how many of you guys, when you leave a restaurant, you are fed but then, you know, the waiter or waitress has been enabled because they did the work. God wants to enable the people of God because he's bringing in more people for you to wait on. And as you learn to serve, you start to build within you the capacity to do more. You know, we are kings and our part of our nature as royalty is serving. Right? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant of those who theologically agree with you. (laughs) 
I'm so glad you guys didn't amen that. Because we'd have an altar call on that one. So I want you guys to position yourself to serve everyone. Everyone. And listen, like be, I, I, I want to challenge you guys to be looking for opportunities to serve Pharaohs and Nebuchadnezzars in your life. You guys get my, my con? Okay. Daniel served Nebuchadnezzar. Joseph served Pharaoh. They were put in a place of authority to serve a idol-worshiping person. It's, it's very sad. I know Dad mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it's very sad when people who take on the name of Christ try to get themselves out of scenarios where they're serving someone who doesn't agree with their thinking of God. Maybe he has you there for a reason. Okay? And you know what? Maybe you aren't supposed to know how that person is going to come to the Lord. Maybe one person sows and the other person waters. Don't challenge or don't question your place in the process. Just be glad that you're there. I want, I, I, that once you let go of that thing, it really just, it frees you up to actually experience unconditional love flowing through you. And you will actually experience way more revelation from the Holy Spirit because you just, man, I just want, the nature of God and the nature of love is to give. It's what it does. This is, this is not rocket science. You guys totally know this. I just really want to encourage you in that. Okay, so I want to, a uh, couple things. I don't know if you guys know this, but this is just a total plug. I told, told my mom this, and um, we're getting some flyers made up um, for you guys' uh, your tithing area. You guys know you have the little, the little fill-out forms that you guys fill out. Um, um, we do have those for the sake of cash. I know it's, sometimes that's not necessary for check, but we also do tithe by text. If you guys want to text in your tithe, and I believe that number's on the bulletin. If you guys have ever wanted to do that, we're just giving more opportunity. You know, if you're not here and you don't feel good about entering stuff in or whatever. I just know it's a lot more convenient. I love to do it. Uh, it's really fun. Um, but that's just something we wanted to offer if you don't have your check with you or if you anything like that. Like, where did that come from? Well, I just felt like I need to tell that to you. Um, we are we're just uh, exploring more avenues. When I, It was so funny. Uh, I was telling Kim this. We were at Kroger yesterday. And when we were at Kroger, uh, she went in. The kids are in the car with me. And I see this, like, uh, this little store. It's a, it's a restaurant. It was on 78. And I had never heard it. It was a you know small business, and the the wording was Fortune House Restaurant, and I was like, okay, I'll look them up. I have no idea what that is, so um, I looked it up, and of course it's a it's a Chinese restaurant, but they had the most easy ordering process, and I was like, man, somebody in this business has prepared for increase. They have made it so easy for the end user to get what they want and get it to them extremely quick. It's this, it's this little company that has set themselves up for growth. It really saddens me when the body of Christ think that they have an excuse to stay in the dark ages. When it's really the body of Christ who's really called to be leading innovation and on the forefront. And I really think you guys are going to see in your lifetime one of the hugest church closures, is not a huge church closure because people will not forward think in the body of Christ of how things are going to be done. How many of you guys, how many of you guys were, maybe your tithe check is the only thing you ever write a check for? All right? Some of you guys are like, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> but you know what? The, the body of Christ really needs to think forward. Actually, we need to think even more forward than that. We need to actually be dreaming with God. We need to actually be stepping outside what is, 
Stop complaining about what is and move on the other side and draw that into our day. You know that David in the Bible was called a man after God's own heart. And it's funny that David did in his day what was illegal. And yet God said, it's this man who's a prophet who pulls into his day what was made for another day. You know what it is? It was taking communion. David went into the Holy of Holies, which a king was not supposed to do. He was supposed to drop dead. You guys ever heard this? When you walked into the Holy of Holies, the priest was able to do this one time a year, and they tied a piece of they tied rope onto his foot because if he got fearful, he would drop dead in the presence of God, and they'd have to drag him out by the rope. It's the goodness of God that leads us to. No, that's the funny thing to reference. Okay, so he uh, would go in, and David said, "You know what? I want to be in God's presence." I don't want someone to be a mediator. I want to be that person. And he went into it. And I can just imagine all the priests going, okay, man, this guy's breaking all the rules. But the rules that were put there were because of a spirit of fear that man saw. That's, that's what the lens and that's the, that was the administration of condemnation. That's the old covenant mindset. That's what it created. It perpetuated a distance between man and God. And so David went in there and he saw this. He said, you know what? I want to eat with God. And so he took and he ate the showbread that he should, again, have just dropped dead. And yet God looked at that and said, this is a man after my own heart. And here's what I want to say to you. I think that there are showbreads that need to be eaten in the body of Christ. I think that there are holy of holies, things that you think should not be gone into, that God kind of actually wants you to go into. He wants you to feel free to come in closer to Him and not be fearful of what going to happen. He wants to draw you in closer. And I know this seems very open-ended, and I am doing that for a reason, because I think all of us experience this in the same spirit, but in different forms. And I think God really wants to break through those, those barriers, those veils, if you would. Amen? Amen. Alright. We're going to get right into some scripture today. You guys turn in your Bibles to... Uh, to Matthew 6, we're going to start reading in verse 22. And one thing that I, I know that uh, there's, there's a lot of social things going on. We, Dad kind of already mentioned some of those. But, um, you know, every morning when I wake up, um, every morning when I wake up, um, there's a couple things that I do. I have, like, my morning routine. I think we all have it. How many of you guys are coffee people? Anyone here, like, I gotta have my coffee. I mean, it's like it's it's kind of okay, and that's me. I, I need to have my cup of coffee. And when I um, uh, you know, I have my cup of coffee, get a cool devo. You know, we have on our app, we have some devotions and stuff like that, where you can read along, and also the audio Bible. And so, so if I'm not able to read it, I'll listen to it, and I'll get an email. I'll get like thirty emails in the morning, and it's all junk. Now, when I mean junk, it's like, uh, do you want to sign up for this? Hey, you want a vacation. Hey, I'm, a, I'm an Arabian princess being held hostage, and I'll give you $45 million if you reply to this email. Or, you know, I will, you know, I need, um, or some, you know, the gambit's all across. Hey, there's a new medication that you need. Or, hey, man, have you checked out this penny stock that's going to make a bajillion dollars? And I'll get... So much junk email every day. And here's the interesting thing. Do you guys know that they know if you open it or not? Do you guys know that? No? They know. They have what's called a bounce rate. A bounce rate is basically tells them when you click on it, it tells them that bounce rate, that, that's the term that it's called, but it tells them if, if it pinged back, and you open the email. 
we know when we send a church email out, I'm just going to let you know, I know when you don't, I don't know if you delete it, but I know when you don't open it. It's funny. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe our emails need to be better, or we need to make more or less, probably more or less. We need to make fewer. Okay. So, you know, things like that. We know. Okay. So here's the interesting thing about this is, is I really had this, this really just um, brought to me when I started praying for this morning. I'm getting all this junk email over and over and every day. But the less that I open it, the fewer I get. It never stops, but that particular email from that particular junk stops coming. But something else comes. And something else comes. And I, this is what I have... This is what I heard this morning, is, is you've got mail. That's the name of today. You've got mail. And there's a ton of junk email that the enemy is sending to you. Can I tell you, if I, 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 if I just say that, I think you guys know. The emails that are from heaven, the emails that are not the spiritual things that are coming into your zone that are from the Lord, and there are some things that are not. Do you know the devil would love to get you busy about worrying you about a lot of stuff? I, I, I'm actually one of the biggest uh, supporters of technology and and news and things like that. But there's something that I've realized. Once I start caring about something more than what I have the grace to do something about, it's the wrong spirit bringing it to my attention. I think we need to pray for people. But if you don't feel any, if you don't have any ability outside prayer, move on. Because there's only so much you can do. And what the enemy would love to do is he'd love to get the body of Christ to a place where they are so busy spiritually multitasking that they don't actually get anything done as far as advancing the kingdom. Now, I'm not, you guys, I hope you guys know my heart. There's no, I, I, I will not give any credit to what the devil does and what he tries to do. But he would like to get your mind on a lot of stuff in the name of, well, wouldn't the Lord want you to do this? There are certain things in your stewardship, and there are some things that are not. There are some things we need to have a concern for, and there are some things the body of Christ needs to set their mind on things above and not on things on earth. So there's a lot of stuff. And here's the, here's the problem. I know a lot of people, well, we need to do for everything. No, you don't. Do you guys know that you have to have discernment? If, if, if every time someone who is needy came to our church door, we would have closed a long time ago. And the goal is not to stay open. The goal is to stay obedient. But we know that there are many times that the disciples did not answer the request of every person who needed food or money. We have to be stewards with what is given to us and discernment. And we need to we need to look at these things in a way. And how many of you guys know that that multitasking, some of the most unproductive people pride themselves on being 50% multitaskers. And they don't say, oh, I'm, I'm good at... I'm good at multitasking. They just they have so much stuff and they do everything 50%. But then they end up getting nothing done. And I, the enemy wants to put stuff in your... I mean, he wants you to get you to worry about your family. But you know what? You can only do so much. He wants you to worry about the economy. But you can only do so much. He wants you to worry about America. But you can only do so much. You can do stuff. But you have to realize that once you've done everything the Lord has told you to do, you need to 
really put faith in God. I am, I am doing exactly what you've done, and I don't need to do any more until you tell it to me. And you have to have the discernment and to know if it's the Lord telling you to turn this rock into bread or to multiply these fishes and loaves. We have to learn the discernment of that. Amen? Oh boy. Cutting with a knife this morning. I feel it. It's tense. Interesting thing about these junk emails. I never signed up for them. How many of you guys sign up for what some of you guys do? Some of you guys sign up for junk email. And then you're like, what in the world? Well, you thought you were getting a deal when you signed up for that such and such, and they ended up selling it to an ad agency. And you guys, sometimes we don't know it, but we're letting a lot of time wasters, like we're, we're letting a lot of spiritual ad agencies get our number, and we need to stop signing for stuff that's going to send us spiritual junk. Amen? Another thing about the stuff, it wastes my time. Waste your time. Number three thing, most of the deals are no good. They're fraudulent. They don't, they promise you the world, but at the end, you know, one time there was like a win an iPad thing, and I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to go to the end, and I'm going to see where it takes me. About 45 minutes later, about going through 50 different sub things, and how I probably gave my, I, they wanted my email so many times, and you know, and I, I, for the sake of, you know, for the sake of just trying it out, I signed up under an email that I no longer use. And so I went and I gave this email out like 50 different times. And you know what? At the end of it all, still didn't get an iPad. It was a bunch of time wasters. The last thing is opening, opening them only increases the flow of more junk. The thought life that we are supposed to steward is so important because once you start to be of one mind and the eye becomes one and you start to see and be focused. I, Steve Jobs said this. Focus is about saying no. One thing he was known for was being a major uptight person and very, very hard to work for because his primary language was no. But you know what? You will not say no until you have a big yes. Until you are sold out on what you're pursuing, you will have nothing to say no to. You will say yes to everything. And God wants to get some very big promises, some very big yeses, and he wants you to magnify those yeses. So when those thoughts come into your grid, I, I really feel it. I think some of you guys are going to, even right now, like you're going to start starting to discern some really dumb things that you are going to start saying no to. There's some things that you used to engage in your thought life that you are going to feel the Holy Spirit say, no, that's a no. You have something bigger in mind, and I have something bigger for you. And you're not going to worry about all those little things that are, so, are trying to get you off of building what I have called you to. Amen? All right, so in Matthew 6 says this, verse 22, it says, The eye, everybody say the eye, is the lamp of the body. So if your eye, everybody say eye, is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Here's, here's what I people think, people think, here's what I think people misread. Instead of saying if your eye is healthy, they think if what your eye sees is healthy. So what people try to do is they try to get everything they try to get everything in front of them or they just try to get everything in their perception of what they think is good. But you guys know that is impossible. And if you spend your life trying to remove all the, bad, all the possibility of seeing bad things, you will be stressed out. 
If your whole life is attempting to remove trials, then you will never get anywhere. It's going to be in your line of sight. So it says, if the eye, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then, if then, the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If your light, if the light in you is darkness, think about that. If the light in you is darkness, that's, does that make sense? Just because you say you have a light doesn't mean it's light. It can be darkness. Just because someone slaps a cross on something doesn't mean they represent what the cross represents. That's tough. Then it says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Then it says this, referring to money, you cannot serve God in money. And what he is making in reference there is, is how, we, how we look at that word there is the word mammon. It's the spirit on money. It's the spirit of, of that people, you know, they have to hold on to something. Whole teaching there. But I'm going to keep going here. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Neither They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? They obviously didn't have cheeseburgers. All right, so, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says this. He says, O ye of little faith. What he's saying there is, you guys are, O ye of little faith. He's saying you guys are caring too much about what's going on around you. Because you think the problem is everything going on around you. But the problem is this. It's not this. It's this. You guys know it's not what you see that's the problem. It's how you see that's the problem. Does God not say, does, does, it, does it not say later in the New Testament, to the pure, all things are pure. So, what do you think is not pure? What does God say about it? I often like to think about Peter when Peter gets the vision of the blank four corners and he sees these things. He sees these animals on the four corners that, you know, and he wasn't supposed to eat. But then God said, he said this, do not call uncommon what I call common. And that word common or uncommon is the word clean or unclean or equated with holy or unholy. Do not call what I call holy unholy. Does that make sense? That right there shows you the eye of God. Do you know if God sees anything in his creation as bad, he's responsible for it and he would self-incriminate himself. So it's not possible. 
If God is against anything he created, that means he's against himself because everything out of him is from him. And then you have a God of self-conflict. Not possible. It's how we interpret what we think he sees that creates a need to go stop or kill people or whatever or stop them because we think he sees that that way. But Jesus is the perfect example of God showing us what he thinks about us. It, it's, the, it's the total emptiness of the wrath of God for all humanity, for all eternity. God has no more wrath. Jesus took it all. We sing this, we, it's a part of our, you know what it is? It's a part of our theology, but it's not a part of our application. Does that make sense? What, it, what does it look like when there is no more wrath? How does that change how we love one another, how we change other people who have not yet experienced it? It brings us into another... That, that's a showbread right there. Somebody needs to take a bite of that. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to keep going here. Next chapter, it's Matthew 7, says this. It says, you guys, uh, let's go to chapter 7, verse 1. It goes on to say this. It's probably the most quoted verse in the Bible right now. Uh, let's do Matthew 7, verse 1. It says this. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Many words for the word judge in the Bible. This is the word that actually has to do with separation. There is a word judge that has to do with discernment. This isn't saying don't discern. This is saying don't make a statement of separation. Judge not others unless you will be judged. Now, the next verse says this. It says, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. This is talking about separation. Those who have a message of God separating are the ones who are going to experience that theology. God is trying to change the mind. This is not, actually, this was spoken to a big group of people. This wasn't like secluded leadership training. This was actually talked this was talked to a lot of people, okay? And then the next verse says this. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Where is this speck? Where is the log? It's in the eye. It's not in the heart. It's not in the mind. It's in the eye. It's how you perceive a problem. Let's go to the, actually, that's it. A couple more verses. I love Bill Johnson says this. He says, you can't keep a bird from landing on your shoulder, but you can keep it from building a nest there. You are, we are, our spiritual weapons are for mindset warfare. Not tangible, touchable, change warfare, but mindset warfare. You know, there's two ways I can change your mind. There's always two ways. I'm going to use Jonathan as an example because I love him. So I can get Jonathan to do something out of two, two, two ways. I can get him to do something out of fear, or I can get him to do it out of love. Right? Jonathan, if I was to say, Jonathan, I want you to take all these chairs. No, let's, let's really repeat it. I can, I can say, Jonathan, here's what I need. I need you to take all these chairs and I need you to put them outside. Okay? Now, there are, there's something that is dependent on his obedience. Relationship. Right? And the spirit in which I do it. 
And there's a lot of different scenarios we can go down. But how many of you guys know that if my love for Jonathan is conditional to whether or not he takes the chairs out, that's not love, right? But if my love towards him is not conditional, it actually has nothing to do with whether or not he takes the chairs out. It has to do with there is a need and we need to get it done. And I actually exalt my relationship with Jonathan higher than my need for getting getting something done. But it still doesn't mean I don't ask him to do it. See, God's love for you, and he gives us a commission. See, he loves us, and it's from the love that he goes on the mission with us to get others embedded into that mindset of unconditional love. We're not trying to make more church members. That might end up happening. But you know what? Our mindset is to make more Christs. Make more people anointed. Those who follow after Jesus, who take on his nature. Why? Because you're going to experience life abundantly. You know, actually, Jesus never preached. Oh, this is again. Oh, boy. Here we go. Jesus, his theology and his, his salvation wasn't an eternal experience for Jesus. Jesus preached present salvation. Think about it. All the times Jesus brought salvation to a person was for then and now. He would give, I mean, he would talk about eternal things all the time. You know, heaven, he would talk about hell, he would talk about judgment, he would talk about forgiveness. But when he started, when Jesus was bringing salvation to a scenario, it was in a scenario. He would tell the person, get up, go, and sin no more. It was for then. It was for now. And I think we do a major disservice when we only tell people that Jesus is here for you so that after you die, something good will happen to you. What about now? Jesus, the people of God, needed a now salvation. Are you equipped to give a now experience? Do you know we owe the world an experience with the kingdom of God? We owe them that. And you know what? Don't anticipate any change until you can create the kingdom you say you're from. We are to cultivate it, live it, man. And then it makes it a lot easier when I'm just in the, man, I'm just, the presence of God is awesome today. It's rich. It's good. Oops, spilt it on you. It's a lot easier when it's a part of what you do rather than you having to feel like you have to conjure up an experience. Can that happen? Absolutely. But I want want to have something cultivated where I just like, I'm spilling all over people the experience of heaven. I really want to do that. I don't want to have to flip on a dime. But you know, there are some times I have to flip on a dime. But I think part of the power is not that we are ignoring the problems around us, but we actually have a stronger consciousness and awareness of the kingdom of God and the move of God that it really starts to tick off bad news. Because we're focused on the good news. You can't touch a man who's dead. We say that. And when we are dead to the world, we are alive in Christ and we're thriving on. It's not just the mere story of Jesus. It's the now application of the Spirit of God through a person. You guys, I can't count how many times I've told people the story of Jesus and they go, that's great. That's awesome. But what about today? There was something supposed to happen where we learn to transfer the Spirit of God. And this, you guys know that the testimony of Jesus is of the Spirit of prophecy, so it's going to always be a part of what you're sharing. And that's why there was the man who was at the lake when uh, it was a Stephen who got translated, went there and there was the eunuch who was studying the Scriptures, and he said, what does this mean? And you know what, you know what he told him? He told him about what happened. All these prophecies are fulfilled in this man, Jesus. 
And the guy, he's like, you want to be baptized? Man, yeah, and he was baptized right there. Was that Philip? It was Philip. Sorry, not Stephen. So, here's, here's what this says. You guys turn in your Bibles real quick. Uh, we're, we're almost done. Philippians chapter 3. Turn in your Bible, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. And look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So, let's talk about dogs, evildoers, and people who mutilate the flesh. Do you think God was, did not like German shepherds and black labs? He had a thing out for them. Or do you think dogs meant something else? Probably something else. So, look out for dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Do you think he's really, really worried about... Now, he, it's not good to mutilate the flesh, but do you think he's talking about people who mutilate their flesh? See, there are people who rehash the works of the law, who revealed the administration that brought out the works of the flesh. Now, this is what I'm saying. When you see the Bible talk about the works of the flesh, I want you to think about the works of the law, because the works of the law created the works of the flesh. Show me where there's a problem of sin in the nation, and I'll show you a nation that has experienced religion that's dead. Philippians 3, I'm going to keep reading verse 2, uh, uh, verse 3. For we are of the circumcision. Oh, let me read 2 again. Look out for dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Okay? Now keep in mind, those who mutilate the flesh. Those people who are always trying to bring up more law to you. More rules for your relationship with God. More things you have to do. Okay, here's why I think... Here's why I see mutilate the flesh equal that. Because listen to this. Next verse. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Again, do you think he's talking about putting confidence in this? Or do you think he's talking about putting confidence in what the law produced? Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Why? He was the, man, he was the chief of Pharisees. He was the chief of this religious group. All right? If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Again, do you think he's talking about flesh? Do you think he's talking about tangible, touchable? No, he's talking about what the law produced, that administration. Five, circumcision on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, but whatever I had gained, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Do you guys know you're supposed to make this? Own it. Own it. Take responsibility for it. Take responsibility for your walk. Own it. Make it your own, Paul says. Make it your own. But, but what about, you know, I, I, yeah, I know the Bible does say he's the author and finisher. But you know what? Make it your own. Because Jesus made it his own. He made it his own. He said, I'm going to do this. Why? Because the Father had empowered him to do it. Amen? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any one of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Everybody say us. You have in us. You know, there's an example that leaders are supposed to set for people. Do you know every time you change leadership, you just start all over? You are to, well, I'm supposed to follow Christ. I know, but he gave Christ, through Christ, he gave the ministry of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, evangelists that are a gift. They're a gift to you as a, is it helps you. And the Bible talks about in, in equipping you to do the work of service that we all would become like Christ. Amen. Listen to this. I'm going to read this. Um, Verse 18, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, listen to this. This is interesting. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory, and they glory, listen to this, in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, and by the power that it enables him to even subject all things to himself. Amen. I want you guys to... This something that was really awesome to me. I was, you know, we were, I hang out... Uh, me and Lonnie were hanging out a couple years ago, uh, you know, and we were we were doing some stuff around the house, and and the last election was coming up, and Lonnie said something that really, uh, it was totally from the Lord that I did not see at the time, and he said, he said, there's there's no party that's going to heal our nation. It's not going to come from that, and you know, I had so been opening emails, spiritual emails, that had positioned me for there only being one way for this nation, America, to be brought into what God would want it to be. And here's a man who's a man of God, who knows the voice of the Lord, and he says, this, it's, it's not going to come by that. And it was just a, it was a shaking. I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out, what do you mean? And I think some of us need to have our lenses removed of how we see God coming through on certain things in our life. Okay, let me pose it this way: I was I was um, I was uh, online, and there was this there was an ad for um, all these Christian movies. You know, the number one top made. The theme that's the top for Christian movies. You guys know what it is? Anyone want to take a guess? Number one theme. What? Tribulation. 
last days, zap, bling, we're all gone. That is the number one made movie. It's like we're only a one-trick pony when it, pretty much. You know, either a forgiveness story or the tribulation. There's only one. And here's the, here's the, I was thinking about this. I shared this with Kim the other day. But here's, this is interesting. You know, there's like, there's no talk of the second coming in the Old Testament. I mean, everyone who wrote, there are prophetic words, but everyone who was looking for the coming of the Messiah wasn't looking for the second coming. They weren't looking for the first coming, right? They were looking for their king. So if all of the church leaders, it wasn't church back in the day, but all the people who were stewards of the scrolls, and the, if they had the technology to make a movie, about the coming Messiah. What would that look like? Now, again, first coming. If those people had the technology and they were to make a movie of the coming king, think about what that would look like. I want you to think about, all right, these, these guys are getting together and they're going to make a production. Of course, you know, it's the year, year one and all these, oh, our people are in such you know, bad, but we're, but here, man, the scrolls say this and that, and they're, you know, and they're making a movie of this coming king. And they have a lens of how they see the coming Messiah to be. And they have a lens, and they have expectations, and they have their own, they have signs, and they have wonders, and they have all these amazing things. And they're, they're saying, well, the, it clearly says this. It clearly says it. I mean, just read it. It's, it says that. And he's going to come like this. He's going to, all this stuff is going to happen, and we're going to have our king. And Jesus shows up. Now, see, that was their eschatology. Because they thought from that day forward, they're just supposed to rule and reign with Christ. You know, That's why the sons of Zebedee's mom said, hey, can my sons rule with you? Because she thought that was the end, right? So they have this concept of how they think the king is coming. And the king doesn't come in anything. Anything. Not even close. And the only people who find him really have no business finding him. Three, no, not three. That's the, that's our interpretation. Three magi. It's not three. It's whatever. Magi, magicians, astrologers, people who look to the stars for answers, find Jesus. People with the scrolls were too, too busy making their king movie, getting ready for down with Rome. Destruction, rebuilding how we see fit. Because we know, we know. And here's what I see. I, I've said this before, but I see history repeating itself. I see a ton of movies being made. And there's a lot of people going to be mad when Jesus doesn't show up on a cloud coming from the east like everybody thinks he's going to come. Do I have? No, I don't know. But I know I probably won't be expecting it. Jesus himself didn't even know. How does that work out? How does Jesus not know? Only God knows, but yet they're one. I don't know. Don't sit there and try, well, we can figure out the seasons. Well, they totally missed it. They were missing it. Because they were not looking for a spirit of God. They were looking for a different old thinking version of what God would do. 
They were looking for a fire and brimstone, God, which is why the disciples tried to call it down. And so what happens when the people of God start to actually have a heart for the creation that God wants to rebuild? Amen? What if... Oh, I can get into some weird... I know, I'm joking. I'm not. I'm just saying, I really think the coming of Jesus is not going to be anything like any person thinks it's going to come. It's going to be... You, we are going to experience the forgiveness and judgment of God that we have never experienced. And it's going to blow our minds like it blew Paul's mind. Like it blew this hardened Pharisee who experienced... What kind of goodness is it that takes a man so hardened and melts him to the core, actually blinds him physically, blinds him. It's so amazing that he, he has no choice but to find someone to submit under and learn the ways of this God. That is amazing. I believe that the next entire generation of Pauls, I believe there are right now tens of thousands of Apostle Pauls right now being made in their first journeys. They have not met their Damascus Road but they're a mask and their group name is Isis. I believe you are going to see some of the greatest revivals take place from a group now. And they're all Saul's. And every time that a group of believers starts to try to defend their cause, you are removing the possibility of putting Stevens in the life of Saul's. I'm not praying for this, but I do want to give you guys some emails worth looking at. I want to give you eyes to see maybe God's up to something. He's not doing it, He's not causing it, but he's going to use it. And we don't want to put our faith in what's going on, but we want to put our faith in what God is doing through what's going on. Amen? There at one time was a Savior being killed and ripped and lashed and bruised and beaten and stripped. And it was not God doing those things. It was the administration of fear. And He was taking those things. And it wasn't you that put Jesus on the cross. It was Jesus that put your sin on the cross. It was Him that dragged the cross to its location. Jesus, nobody killed Jesus. No one killed Him. No man takes my life, I give it. Every time we blame, every time we do something like that, we're removing the possibility of a Stephen taking a stoning. And it was, have you guys know, it was the stoning of Stephen. They took the, the clothes of Stephen. They put it at the feet of a Pharisee's feet named Saul. And it was after that experience on his road to Damascus, the Damascus Road, that he had the revelation. And that man changed the face of the church for all history. Man, you know what? Do you guys know that there are missionaries that have that, have that revelation and are doing, they are positioning themselves to make Saul's, Paul's. I want to pray for strength for those people. I don't want them to be prayed to be removed. I want to pray 
that their faith would remain. Does that make sense? I, I think the body of Christ needs to rethink how they see what's going on. Because when they rethink how they see what's going on, their prayers are going to start shifting. And then what they anticipate is going to start shifting. And there's actually going to be, we're going to start seeing the kingdom of God manifest itself in a way that we weren't hoping for because we didn't think God could do something like that. But I want to tell you, it's all through Scripture where God takes a situation and says, here's what I was doing. And people are like, whoa, we never saw that happening. I want to give a uh, just a, a prophetic, I want to just release a, a spirit of prophetic insight and discernment over this people. And just I just blanket you guys with that to see, and I really, I'm just unleashing this on you, to reveal the nature and the heart of God of what's going on. Not from a 2015 what's going on, but an eternal from the beginning of creation until forever. A way of how God looks at our story. And I want us to be able to join in the move of the river of God. The devil will not have any say in this season of history. This will not be a dark season for Christians. This will not be a woe is me. This is the kingdom of God advancing, you guys. And you have to have a lens. You have to see it as that way for it to be that way. I love what Jesus would say to so many different people. He'd say, be it unto you according to your faith. I want to release a be it unto you according to your faith. You're seeing it a certain way. And how you see is determining what you see. And I want us to have the eyes that are healthy to see what God is doing. Amen? Is that okay? Okay. Um, can Just pray with me. I want you to repeat this. Say, Father God, I want to see from heaven to earth and not from earth waiting on heaven. You have empowered me with the Spirit of Christ and it is that Spirit that will change the heart of man. And I ask you to lead that movement by changing my heart first. Change the way I see creation and let me see it like you. Holy. Common. Blameless. Amen. 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 just want you to let that, just think on that for just a second. Just think on that. And I think God is asking some of us, there's, there's a presence, I, don't, I want you just to know there is a presence of forgiveness here. I just want you to allow a move in that presence of forgiveness. And here's what that means. It's, it's actually, I want you to think of it like a cloud and it's coming through the room. And as it crosses over you, you start to think about the people that, not that you have to forgive, but that you are forgiving. And it's you are moving with that cloud of forgiveness. And that is, that is the confirmation of the Spirit saying, it is forgiven. That person is forgiven. That person is forgiven. The enemy is going to try to tell you, but they have to do this first. No, that's not Jesus. Revelation said that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. So forgiveness is always given before it's ever asked for. 
Lord, we just move with that presence and reality of forgiveness this morning. Amen. Amen. I, you know, and oftentimes as we forgive people, there are certain things that come up that God does. Healing, there are ideas, there are uh, uh, emotional healing opportunities. And if you guys want to, uh, we're going to pray, we're going to open up the front. And if you guys have anything that you want to have agreement on that you really feel is starting to kind of like a, be a release in your life, we really want to pray with you and see those things uh, start to happen. And we want to, we love to join with people as they just get their, their spiritual motor going and they start seeing the kingdom of God be possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you guys can stand to your feet. I'm just going to pray one last prayer and dismiss you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an awesome day in the presence of God. And I just, I just thank you for gracing this people with the presence of God, for the, for the move of the impossible. You're doing awesome works in our heart. I just, there's a, such a change, almost like a total flip. Lord, you are totally seeing it, Lord. From a, we're, we're seeing this in a different light. And we thank you, God, that the light in us is good. How we see is good. Because what we have seen is you. It's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Lord, and let us see the hope of glory in everyone. Pursue that. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Come forward for prayer if you need anything. We will see you guys later. Have a great day.